0: Under the helmet.
1: You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay?
0: The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football.
1: It's a moment right here. We're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be.
0: Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower.
1: You may beat me, but you will not outwork me.
0: Tim Torch. <laughs>
1: There's only one winner, Chad.
0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Dynasty predictions for the 2021 season. Welcome to the UTHDynasty.com Under the Helmet show for this week. Got Katie Flower. I am Chad Parsons. The season is upon us and we've got news. Uh, I've been updating. Just a reminder at UTHDynasty.com. I think I've updated the running back injury away and, and depth chart for fantasy matrix about four times today. I've already updated a couple times the trade calculator because waivers... Tuesday night into Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, first come, first serve, pretty much for everybody globally, uh, with rare exception in your league. So this is the week really where you start moving and shaking and it feels like week one. There's a crackle in the air. And we're here, Katie, do you have any comments before we get started on our predictions with some of the running back movement we have with Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Tyson Williams, you know, could be affected, Tony Jones. So we've got some applicable parties here with potentially injury away status on the line over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, I wasn't surprised about Latavius Murray. I had heard murmurings of that when Tony Jones was showing out, and I picked up Tony Jones quite a bit in, in many of my leagues. It was a little bit expensive, but I figured if the truth is, and he looked good. If the truth is that Murray will be cut or whatever, then he's the number two guy to Kamara, and that's something I want to have. So I think that's great. Now we have clarity. Murray should land someplace, you would think, and there's a lot of places that still need, like Baltimore. Even though they just signed Le'Veon Bell, I'm not sure that Le'Veon Bell is going to be that impactful. We'll see. We'll find out.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you said, which is Tony Jones, you have to take him seriously, even if you were skeptical before, that that has value. That has standalone. Uh, Kamara has not seen... I think the number is he hasn't eclipsed even 200 carries in a season. So he's very much one of those dual threat, but we like to see him optimized in the passing game and don't want to see him plugging up in the middle with a lot of those, I'm not going to call them senseless, but a lot of those accumulating carries that don't mean a whole lot for the fantasy box score. And Tony Jones is going to take on those that Latavius Murray was going to. There's touchdown upside there. Uh, So you have to take that seriously. And you kind of said it. and, uh, And I'll just say the action plan for Latavius Murray is don't just run and hide and cut him this week because still moving pieces to be had Break ties in his direction of saying, let's see how this develops. Plenty of depth charts that he could absolutely be the number two back and be that injury away status. And life emerges as nothing, you know, everything is unchanged. So be careful about making a whiplash decision with that regarding waivers this week. All right. uh, so let's get to it. And we've got some predictions. I'll kick it off, kick us off, Katie. I couldn't quite make it, you know, one per position or, you know, create a theme per each one. I'm going to start out with one, just a reminder about the running back position, which is my prediction is more than half of the NFL depth charts at running back will miss at least three games. And I track this on a a weekly basis. uh, Sorry, on a yearly basis. Last year it was 60% of the depth charts missed at least three games from their projected week one starter, and it was 41% in 2019. So average that together, it's about half. And we already have moving pieces of JK Dobbins uh, and Cam Akers. They're already locked into 32 starts missed for their teams. That opens up the depth chart entirely. And we've already seen those teams add running backs. We've seen elevation from their existing players as well. So I would say those are the first two more dominoes to fall. Who's next? And just a reminder that the next man up and and who's the cheapest is always the well, who is behind the next man up? So always be thinking of, oh, you know, you know, uh, I missed out on, you know, running back two X, you're know, like right now, oh, Tony Jones. Well, let's see what the Saints do. You know, is it Dwayne Washington, you know, that might be in that next bird dog seat? Is it someone not on the team yet? But just monitor situations like that of, you know, maybe there's a, a guy that's working through a hamstring injury. If that tightens up, who's the next man up? So this is gonna be something we do weekly during the season, because it's valuable, because running back has the ability by its position and by its nature to clarify those fantasy starts. So we already have some depth charts changing. It has not even got to week one. We outlined a couple situations that have changed in the last 24 hours. So it changes a lot. This is just the beginning. And welcome to the, welcome to the train ride. And next stop is week one, which means full workloads for a lot of these backs and that means more change, more risk of this occurring even more frequently.
1: And we say this year after year after year. So if you're a new listener and you just happen to tune in, what your roster looks like in May and June at running back, it does not matter. That's why we are proponents for lots of depth, injury, array, injury away type guys, rookies, that will potentially fill that injury away or the next man up. Guys that could tote the load by themselves if given that opportunity, like Gus Edwards, like A.J. Dillon, those kind of guys. And so I think you're right. I think that's a good prediction. I don't have a lot of specific player predictions per se, but the one that I have involving running backs is very bold and. I'm going to say that Nick Chubb is a league winner this year. And I think so because Cleveland has a really good offensive line. They've got a very, very top offense and defense. And I think they're primed. They've got a decent schedule. I think they're primed to be one of the best offenses and defenses in the NFL. And I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, for that matter, will be the beneficiary of that. They're not going to be behind in games a lot, so they're going to be able to run and run and run, which they like to do. And then they've got enough wide receivers and tight ends to be able to mix it up and keep it going.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking while you're talking, have we really had an extended run of this Chubb-Hunt duo where one of them has missed time? It seems like both of them have been operating together basically their time in cleveland once hunt has been back that that it seems like we haven't really had that full run of either guy and yet we know that any game uh, I, one thing that I, I was saying i think on the running back roundup leading into week 1 one of the premium shows is that you know each one of these guys and, and you're saying it already that that the chub can still get there independent of anything but that if the other is out we're talking the remaining back is like a top three, four, five projection, unquestioned for that week or whatever duration. That's where the redraft, you know, prognostication, where do they line up, projecting stats for the week? That's where they're going to be. And they're going to be below that. But both, even Hunt it gets optimized usage, finishing drives. He gets plenty of touchdowns, two minute work to be a top 24 option. And that's with Chubb being one of the leaders in rushing attempts with potentially challenging any year for the touchdown lead. So yeah, this is a team that if they're smart, they're going to build around and, and center on the run game. And that works best with Baker Mayfield. Let's hope Odell Beckham is healthy. They got some good tight ends. They are really primed on offense. Baker Mayfield, don't mess it up. It's, you know, because, because the defense is there, the offensive line, the weapons are there, everything's there for them to be successful fantasy and NFL wise. So yeah, pretty, pretty excited about that team. But it's, if one of them is out for a month, I mean, the other one, it could go absolutely bonkers. I mean, we're talking, I think a lot of people forget Kareem Hunt was, was it the running back one or running back three? I mean, he was absolutely a revelation rookie season, just walking into the chiefs. And it's been a long time since then, and now people kind of view him as, you know, uh, a, a backup with 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 starting ability on his own and all that stuff. But he was, <laughs> I mean, a first rounder, and I think there might have been a rogue startup or two where he was like one hundred one, one hundred three, something like that, when he first uh, first started splashing on the scene. All right, uh, I got a rookie wide receiver one, and this is based on some historical data as well. But I also think there's plenty of signs for these situations specifically. And, and my, my uh, prediction here is none of Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, or Jamar Chase will finish as a top 24 wide receiver this year. And there's questions with each. With Waddle, you have competition for targets. He doesn't really fit the alpha profile. You got Will Fuller coming back into the mix. I think a lot of people might be forgetting that. Devante Parker's still there. My, uh, Mike Gesicki how about Tua? Is he going to supply a top 24 wide receiver? I think that's a critical question. Devonta Smith, I don't trust uh, Jalen Hurts to provide that. I don't really trust the Eagles. Uh, We'll see. It's going to center around those tight ends, in my opinion. Jamar Chase, he's got two good wide receivers there. Joe Burrow, is he not healthy? Is he not going to be mobile? That offensive line being a question. So there's a lot of things going on there. Top 24 is a high bar and only about 6%, even of the round one wide receivers, end up being top 24 in year one. 6%. So so most of them, it's year two and year three is the heavy dominant zone that they end up hitting for top 24 their first year for that breakout. And I just don't see the perfect storm from those guys this year that makes me want to take that bet. And I know, I think only Jamar Chase in redraft is kind of close to there in terms of that top 25 or so at the position. But to me, I I mean, I would end up, I, I've gotten him zero spots. I would, if I did 10 more drafts, I'd get him in zero spots. I just don't think the equation is there for especially these three.
1: Yeah. In redraft, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are side by each. And I'd much rather have T. Higgins at that price tag. Thank you very much. That's that's not a bad take. I am going with my last specific player prediction. And you probably will not be surprised by this because I've been pounding the drum for this dude for the whole offseason. I'm going to say LaVishka Chennault will be a top 12 wide receiver this season. He's got a lot of opportunity there in Jacksonville. I think he's going to really click with Trevor Lawrence He can run. He's a big, big guy, very physical. So he can take some of those Travis Etienne snaps. He can do, you know, the jet sweeps and all different kinds of running plays, as well as he's a much better route runner. He's got good hands. And I said, he's already, I already said he's physical. I think he, I think he'll be a top 12 wide receiver this season in fantasy. Okay,
0: and is top twelve going to be at the expense of all the other wide receivers? There is that going to be because Trevor Lawrence elevates and you know does more than say Joe Burrow did a year ago. Who's going to be the connecting piece of of fantasy implications if Chenault does go top twelve?
1: I, I think that it's going to be the combination of Trevor Lawrence is going to feed him, target him, and Lavishka's ascendance into that uh, better as a route runner, just yep. better overall, more comfortable with the NFL in in season three. And I just think it's that combination.
0: Do you think he, if that occurs, I mean, will he vault all the way to the point where we saw what happened last year with guys like T Higgins and there was a revolving door of young wide receivers, rookies and otherwise that when they have a big game, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that guy's a top five or top 2 dynasty receiver Chennault, do you think he has the profile that like a, as this this big year for him is occurring under this under this prediction that i mean is he going to be one that does he have enough juice to get all the way home market appeal wise of well he's he's producing now he's producing to a high level and he's going to be viewed in that uh, i'm trying to think yeah i mean i guess it would be t higgins and a few guys from last year of that ilk or CD Lamb, like, is he going to be viewed in that air of like just a blank check, get whatever you want? Or is it still going to be, eh, he plays for the Jags and he didn't, you know, w- he doesn't quite have the strongest appeal, Debbie wise or profile wise, entering the NFL? Like, do you think there's going to be a little roadblock holding him back from that ultimate ceiling that Twitter just ends up, you know what I mean? You know, they cycle right, around I, and it's I, like he's so hot.
1: Right. I know what you mean, but I think the combination of Trevor Lawrence as the the cute quarterback Connect, of the future. The
0: connecting pairing, yeah.
1: Right, exactly. Plus, it's a year three, typical year three wide receiver breakout, and he was hot on Twitter as a rookie. We faded him because we didn't like the price point, and we had to see a lot more route running other than the gadgety type. We knew he was an athlete. Uh, coming out of Colorado. By the way, his brother plays for Colorado. and you made he's a an nice catch. I only play.
0: saw one catch from him, but he's got a nice build, very fluid. Yep. So and he's got a great
1: quarterback, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Lewis. Yep. Uh, that's going to be a nice combination in college football to watch for. But anyway, Lavishka Chenault had a, a good following his rookie season. So I think his name cachet with the year three breakout, with Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback of the Jags, for the future i think that he will be vaulted maybe not into round 2 of startup drafts but certainly by round 3 of startup drafts
0: i would just connect one thing to you know chenault rising and i was already down on D, uh, dj chark but i think the signing of, of uh, marvin jones is a bit was a big deal for chark as well with marvin jones a legit Resume profiled receiver of what he's done in the NFL, and having that vertical ability and kind of competing with Chark in that fashion, I just I think the big loser in this whole Jacksonville equation is going to be DJ Chark because of Jones and because of Chenault this year. So that would be another one that I would just mention here as we're talking about it. Uh, my third, uh, talking about a specific tight end and the top of the board here, which is going to be. Uh, when we get to January, uh, TJ Hawkinson is going to be valued more than two tight ends ahead of him in August. So I'm not going to predict which two, but the four ahead of him, and he's going to be ahead of two, in my opinion, we have Pitts, Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller. So there's age at play for Kelsey and Waller. Uh, if Kittle were to have injury. I know people are already kind of having some concern with them. I also think competition for targets in San Francisco could be a question mark. Kyle Pitts feels pretty darn insulated. I know we got a little bit of a flash in the preseason. We'll see how... I mean, he could if he has even an okay... <laughs> I almost said freshman. If he has an, an okay uh, rookie season, he's going to be right there at tight end one, tight end two. And I think the floor is so, so high of even if he disappoints a little bit, as long as he flashes through, you know, during the season, he's going to be insulated in that spot. I just think there's enough risk with the other three that I think Hawkinson will get past him because I think he's going to be, you know, golf is a legit quarterback. Um, I think that team has plenty of limitations, especially a wide receiver. They're Brandon, you know, Cadero Hodge. I mean, they're anything that is going to throw against the wall. They're going to try it. At wide receiver, but they just don't have a lot. And I think Hawkinson is almost going to be Mark Andrews like, but with more athleticism. And he's going to have the opportunity to be the wide receiver one for that team. So full full-fledged opportunity to have an elite season. And he already is valued in the top five or six consensusly. So I think he has a real chance to get into the top two or three.
1: Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with that. And one of the things that we look for when it comes to tight ends is do they have a strong wide receiver presence? That's undoubtedly a big no when it comes. You got Terrell Williams, you got Amon Ross, Ross, St. Brown, rookie coming in. Uh, They just cut Rashad Perriman. So it's going to be a mishmash for Jared Goff trying to figure out. And Hawkinson will be his binky. Absolutely. My next prediction, I'm going to go with Jared Goff's old team. And my prediction is that the Rams will have the most fantasy relevant wide receivers and quarterback, but not running back or tight end. So no top 12 running back, no top 12 tight end, but they will be uh, two top 12, well, top 24 wide receivers and a top 12 quarterback.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, so Higby would be one that you know doesn't quite get back to where he was. I, I think he had some four, six-week close um, maybe two seasons ago. Maybe it was even three seasons ago now. But no Gerald Everett. I know a lot of people are are, are optimistic about him. But it feels like Cooper Cup is that lost name here, doesn't it? That, that a lot of people are forgetting. He's going to be open with regularity. And he's got Matt Stafford throwing him the ball. I'm pretty excited about Woods and Cup. And they've both yeah. been top-notch together before. And I think they're just going to... I mean, they're going to be open for days with that system and the arm talent of Stafford. And I kind of agree with you. So many question marks at running back. What do we know? We know those two wide receivers pretty well. And Stafford has done better with worse, to be fair. So pretty excited about that trio specifically uh, that they're going to get it going. Do you think of Henderson and Michelle, do you think... One of them is better value than the other right now. I know Michelle's a little bit cheaper, but there's a tremendous market pause with both of them.
1: Well, I, I definitely have pause on both of them, but definitely go with Sony Michelle. I think he's as talented, if not more talented, than Henderson, and he's not banged up right now.
0: Yeah, and, and I think people forget round one picks, bet on them until they're out of the league, you know, and Michelle. To be fair, you know, with the Patriots, they, you know, they they put people in roles sometimes, and if Henderson is dinged up or just underwhelms a little bit, Michelle could run with this thing. Jake Funk is the last guy standing on that team. He's a rookie, he's a little bit undersized, and he was a later day 3 pick. Around one, Sony Michelle, that should be a speed bump scenario. I mean, to think that we might not have, you know, that we could have a run of four, six weeks where Sony Michelle is basically being used like Cam Akers was being used to close last year and have some 20 carry games with multiple touchdowns on a hundred plus yards. That is fully in play here. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on that possibility with Michelle that. You know, I think if he starts out the year and it's a lot of a lot of Daryl Henderson, Michelle is that guy you want to look at um, in that depth chart of just saying. It's a ticking time bomb. And to think that Michelle's not going to get some clarified starts this year, I just mentioned in the first one, you know, that many of these depth charts have a change for three or more games by way of injury and by way of absence of the starter. And right now, Daryl Henderson is the projected starter. And that's, I think, how the season is going to begin. How does October look? How does November look? Uh, so you got to be really careful about going too hot and heavy on what you see very first thing during the season. All right, next one. And uh, we're going to go straight to Tampa Bay. We've got... All right. And, and this is just going to be a reminder to not tamp down elite veterans too much and to not vault up rookie quarterbacks too much. And the, the, the season, when we actually accrue points, when we actually set lineups, is the time when people get reminded, sometimes harshly, of this. And it happens every year, especially at quarterback. Tom Brady will outscore every rookie quarterback this season. And I would remind folks that only Mac Jones is lower in Dynasty ADP right now and Brady will uh, run for fewer yards than all of them. So rushing is the fast track, but I think even Mac Jones is going to have more rushing cuz Brady pretty much doesn't run too much anymore and again, I think Brady is poised to be in the top 8. I don't think any rookie quarterback is going to get there and we still don't have an arrival date for some of the rookie quarterbacks. And I think the ones that are starting, there's going to be plenty of growing pains. And I would argue that Brady has an elite collection of weapons where the floor is tremendously high.
1: I don't disagree that the team has a much higher floor. And in fact, that leads, that segues beautifully into my bull prediction or prediction, whatever. Um, I'm going to say that the Bucks have the easiest path to a return Super Bowl appearance ever. It's just a question of which AFC team is going to be their opponent. And I don't know if you've looked at their record, but it's, it's just the NFC is pretty weak. It's, it's down and they've got more opponents that have bottom 11 defenses than top five. And all the returning players, including gronk and o j howard um I love Brady, but I still don't necessarily believe that he's going to be top eight in fantasy points, just because of of the rushing. I think that I think someone like Zach Wilson might surpass him i don't I don't know that Trevor Lawrence can. Just because, man, it—I it, don't know—but I'm gonna say Zach Wilson. I'm—I'm I'm gonna go with the. Do you one know the, of odds the of any,
0: cor- any rookie quarterback finishing in the top ten or something in the, in a given season it is pretty low.
1: No, but I'm saying they're gonna finish higher than Brady. I don't think okay. Brady's top eight. I, okay. I I think Brady will be a little lower than what you think, and I think okay. one of the rookies. I'm not gonna say who. No, no, I got you.
0: But you got the whole whole field, right? And they all and they all to some degree have mobility. So yeah, they have. If Fields were to get in there week two, and he's running around, you know, for he won't for 800. But I'm just saying, like if he if he ran for 800 yards, I mean that fast tracks you. You know, 800 yards and seven touchdowns. That's uh, you know that's going to get you places fantasy wise, even if you throw for 15 touchdowns. So so yeah, I mean there are plenty of outs. I just think with the weapons. So anyway, uh, what's your next point?
1: Okay. So my last one is, I don't think the Baltimore is going to make the playoffs. And in fact, I think they're going to lose six out of their last seven matchups.
0: Okay. Is there a fantasy implication there? Or they're just a a team that, that is not going to do as well as, as everyone would project
1: there because JK Dobbins is gone. And, they're losing other pieces here and there. I don't think that Lamar Jackson can carry the whole burden, and he hasn't really been a passer. And who does he have? He's he's got Marquise Brown up and down. He's got Sammy Watkins up and down. He's got just there's a, a real bunch worst case scenario,
0: right? I mean, Rashad Bateman. When will he play? How will he look yeah. when he actually gets in there? But they have. But but when you look at that, well, they're the, they're the perfect storm of what if all those three receivers at some point in time are out now it's Mark Andrews and rub sticks together, you know? And so what's he going to do then run around? And what if he gets hurt because he's trying to, you know, all of a sudden they're three and three and, and they're, they're fighting, you know, in a tough division with the Steelers and the Browns and, you know, trying to, trying to position themselves to just make the playoffs. And, he doesn't slide. You know, he's a competitor. I watched him at Louisville. He was trying, he was beating teams or competitive with teams that Louisville had no business competing against because he was the ultimate playmaker and the ultimate Madden creative player. So, yeah. I, I, and he's another one that I just sort of check my watch and be like, the way he plays, the number of shots he takes that other quarterbacks yeah. do not take, that the, the rules cannot protect him. I don't predict injury, but I just he is more susceptible with the way he plays. And I know he's played this way for years and he really hasn't had that big injury. I understand all that. But you get out of the pocket, you start running reckless like a running back, game on. The rules are far different for you five yards down the field than they are just sitting there in the pocket. And that's why these quarterbacks throw the ball away because they know few guys can touch them, you know, in spots that can really affect them, uh, you know, the head and below the knee, uh, you know, there in the pocket. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The Ravens that actually, you know, you think about it, the running back group, there's a lot of question marks and Gus Edwards, he's never really been the guy, a lot of pressure, a lot of upside, obviously, if, if he were to come through, but what if Gus Edwards misses time? That's a huge moving piece for the run game as well. So yeah, I love that one. All right. I got one more here. And this is one of my favorites. I probably mentioned it on the show, some show, at least a couple of times between you know the last four or five months. But uh, but this to me is one of the biggest moving pieces at wide receiver. I think Corey Davis could be big. I think there's a few others that absolutely could crush their redraft and dynasty price this whole offseason. But here's going to be one. And again, I think the older market, the bridge market is really one that can pay dividends. And I'm going to go with this one, that Antonio Brown will lead the Buccaneers in targets and in PPR points. He's going to end up being one of the biggest value plays of the receiver position. And here's here's one stat that I don't think a lot of people are tracking, just like the uh, out of sight, out of mind of, uh, I think I mentioned somebody else, but uh, that... Active wide receivers in the NFL, wide receiver one seasons, we have Julio Jones with nine. If Larry Fitzgerald plays, he has eight. So he may or may not count, but it's Julio nine. The next guy is Antonio Brown with six. Active wide receivers in the NFL. He's number two or number three at worst. That's the list. We're talking about one of the most dominant runs in his prime that we have seen in the last decade. And he's, The cheapest one on the depth chart by far. I love Mike Evans. I think Chris Godwin's a little overcooked. And so so betting on that, and he's been for two seasons, a relative wash. So I get the out of sight, out of mind. But when he came back and played the half season last year, he was right there with Godwin and Evans for targets. And I know it's a spread around team. It could go a variety of directions. But, But the one thing I keep coming back to is who is the Edelman? Who is the Welker on this team? It's not Evans. It's not Godwin. It's Antonio Brown, if anybody, if there is one. But I just know he's going to be the guy that can get open at will with all the other distraction that defenses are going to have. And they're not going to want to get gutted 40 yards down the field with a 50-50 ball that Mike Evans comes down with a lot. That's <laughs> not 50-50. I just think that they that a defense would rather get carved up eight yards at a time and I think if there is just a, a huge beyond their price point player here, it's Antonio Brown of, don't be surprised. He came in mid-season and instantly was getting 8, 10, 12 targets in a lot of these games. And I don't think that's going to change. If anything, that's going to elevate for a team rolling it back. And so he's like in the wide receiver 50s or something. And I think he has a chance to go half that, even closer to the top 20 my my whole thing is don't be surprised how high he is because he's one of the best we've seen. And now he's with one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. So to me, the equation is easy of what's the best case scenario. It's very, very high this year. And that's with two other legit wide receivers. One of them is one of my favorite guys ever in Mike Evans. So I'm yep. saying this. So the difference in price is the big part, but also saying, what pairs best with Brady? And it's a guy that instantly gets open, a guy that's open regularly inside of 10 yards. And they use Godwin a little bit in the first couple months of the season. But I think Antonio Brown is going to be option A this year for Brady in that capacity.
1: Well, and Brady and Brown have already played together. And they have together. that they shared a bathroom. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. No, I like that. I, I don't disagree with that one.
0: All right. uh, So, final thoughts as we head into week one here, and we've been passing around a lot of different ideas, a lot of teams. uh, Whether it's something for a dynasty owner specifically, uh, as a reminder here, heading into the season, heading into so many data points, we're not going to blink a little bit on on Sunday into Monday, and just all the changing landscape that's going to be happening in week one of things we didn't expect, false positives, positive positives. Um, but uh, what it, what kind of comes to your mind after having this dialogue about our own predictions, but also the rest of fantasy at large?
1: Okay. So a little bit of fantasy advice and then a shout out. Uh, first of all, as week one approaches, whether you've got one dynasty team or 35 or 50, set it. And forget it. Don't tinker. Too many times we overthink and we try to, you know, especially early in the season, go with your gut, set your lineup, walk away. Do yep. so with yep. no regrets. I mean, just, just know your stuff, set your lineups. Now you may want to look at them halfway through and just see if the late games have somebody that, you know if you got to make up some points maybe you shift in player A for player B but 99% of your lineup should remain the same unless there's an injury question or maybe you're maybe you got to come from behind kind of thing so that's my advice as far as when you're going into the season and then my shout out is I've I heard from several different listeners but One of my buddies, Enad, especially, he called me up to say he really enjoyed our redraft episode, got a lot out of it, and thanked us for doing that. So just thank you all for listening. You know, as another season approaches, thank you for listening. There's a lot of shows out there. There's a lot of voices out there. Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Because there's like you said, there's only so many shows, so many hours in a day or week for you to listen to Dynasty content. Uh, I will say, how awesome is it that it's so accessible on devices and phones that I still remember having to download it to an MP3 device and take that with you. So you had to do it at home and download the files onto something separate. And now that it just basically comes in, you sync it and you're good to go. And it just alerts you every time a new show pops up for whatever. And you can almost cultivate your own uh, radio station of what content am I interested in? If that's football, if that's some other uh, topic or entirely. Um, but, but yeah. And, and as we close these different times, you know, whether it's closing the season, closing the off season, we basically have two different seasons in dynasty and this kind of closes the rookie draft time. You know, that kind of closes a lot in May and June per se, but you still have some, you know, that, that trickle out later on, but we've had the preseason, but now it's time. Now it's the four month, uh, actual test. Of here's what we've been building for our teams. Let's improve upon what we did a year ago through trading and drafting and optimizing the back end of our roster. And now we're here, you know. And, and Katie said a lot of times, we, you know, we overthink the lineup part, which is the last draw. And I would just remind folks, you're not going to get it all right. You know, I, I think we think that there's some skeleton key for lineups, which means you get everything right. Lineups are basically DFS and DFS is ripe with. I mean, one game oscillations of injuries or miss snaps or not getting the goal line touch or two DPI's instead of a long touchdown. There's so many moving pieces to what make a good game versus a nondescript game. And that's why I try to encapsulate with my notes in the film notes show each week of letting you know, you know, Hey, He got stuffed three times in a row at the goal line. That's probably not going to happen a lot. You know, he could have had a couple touchdowns or 150 yards. He had three for 50. It wasn't that great, but he was there. He was getting the opportunities. It will happen next time, you know, or they got really fortunate. You know, his, his touchdown run, anyone could have scored. It was pretty random and it was late in the game. And so these are the, the sort of nuances that go into just a box score. When you look at it on Monday or three weeks from now, it's like, oh, so-and-so scored 20 points well how did they get there is it sustainable or not and and i think the overthinking the lineups overthinking a lot of stuff the keep it simple and enjoy the process you know that that if you have a few leagues know that you're going to overachieve in some underachieve in others it's about the process it's about making the best decisions you can with the information available and having a process having something that you're going to repeat and look at the results as you go in a bigger picture. And like Katie, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Remind the UTH uh, subscribers that are in the best ball contest. You have about 24 hours Check watch to get your uh, entries in and you're doing me a favor. The earlier you get them in because I've got to do those manually. And uh, you know, every minute counts as we lead up to kick off here on Thursday might have to fill some available openings, but love to run the best ball contest. And uh, remind folks, if you enjoy this uh, free weekly show, you would want to check out the premium shows over at mentioning Mentioning the, the podcasting, now you can get all those premium shows anywhere you want them, any podcasting app delivered uh, as a subscriber so seamless there and a reminder no ads on the show so patreon.com slash uth get more content with tim torch and others and some exclusive content uh, like dynasty trading advice Um, on the regular there's a vip chat as well as a vip strategy session live i do every single week on wednesday nights so for katie flower and you can hit her up between episodes on twitter at ff underscore skyler 399 i am at chad parsons nfl and until next week Enjoy the games and never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.
1: Keep building those dinosaurs? What?